With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure. 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 Welcome back. You lost to John Tortorella. Welcome back. You come to take Detroit out of the cellar. Welcome back for another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. Ah! 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 Oh my God! Jay, Jay can't even get Jay can't even get through his own name. Oh my God! Maniacal laughter. This would be like uh, if this was closed captioned on Netflix. It would be like maniacal laughter intensifies. So, so Jay, you've you've had a smile on your face all day. Hey, hi, Pam. <laughs> As we're recording this, my wife is joining because we've both been screaming. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like since 930. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, uh, to, to, to let the fans know, I literally awoke to this news. And yes. it was funny because I could only I could only guess the look because my wife was probably <laughs> staring at me as I'm sleeping because she woke up before I did and she found out. So she was like looking at me. She's like, he doesn't even know. <laughs> Look at him sleeping. Sweet little lamb. Like, 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 like a babe on Christmas born. Doesn't know the wonders that await him when he opens his eyes. Santa brought you a Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's how I found out. Pete, how did you find out about uh, this uh, thing that we haven't, even, have, we, ha- we haven't even named it yet? We haven't even said the thing that we're talking about. We could be talking about anything right now. Yeah, I mean, I woke up and... Let's see. Basically, I woke up shortly before the news came out and I was in bed and I checked my phone and I went to Twitter and I saw that and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I think I may have done the Ron Paul. It's happening kind of gift dance <laughs> in bed. Uh, and I was like, OK, well, I mean, like my immediately my immediate thought was I have to write an article about this. I have to get this up on the site yeah. because I don't know if anybody else is, is up up right now. And uh, so I took Bowie out to make sure that she didn't, you know, pee all over the floor. And then uh, and, and, and then uh, I, I wrote the article on on Winging at Motown that I think is probably going to be uh, my most popular article of all time. Uh, and it, it was, took about five minutes of work, which is fantastic. That's the that's the way we do it here. That's yeah. how we that's how we get stuff done, in like the in like the dead of night, knowing knowing not knowing what we're doing, mm. <laughs> and then you wake up, you're like, oh, this is what we're doing. <laughs> so so anyway, um, the the news that we're talking about is that Steve Eiserman is returning. Steve Eiserman is coming home, just like Chris Daughtry. He is he is coming home. Yep. Yep. I, I think I, I've made uh, that reference about fifteen times now on the podcast. I would like to say that this is one of the more satisfying payoffs in terms of storylines that were set up years ago 
<laughs> and and now I've actually come to fruition. Think about it, Peter. How many times have we maybe just in passing talked about this happening, right? Like, we didn't really have anything to go on, any real, like, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, maybe. Oh, well, did you see him say this? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's some, anything there, you know. And then, and then also recently the the uh, even a couple of days ago where they're talking about how I guess Iserman and uh, Holland were in communication with one another and just like they'd laugh about the rumor, right? Which yeah. also seemed really kind of dickish, right? <laughs> yeah. it's like we're an entire fan base like kind of hoping for some better days here and we're kind of reeling from the uh, unfortunate slide in the in the draft order. So you know when you when you see these things about Oh yeah, it was. Uh, you know, we, yeah, we've heard the rumors and we laugh and laugh. I'm thinking to myself, like, do you do you know what you're doing right now? Because yeah. it's toying with my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was funny because uh, earlier today, if you saw on Twitter, or, or I guess, well, well, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get this up tonight uh, on Friday. Um, if you saw Jay's reaction to to the tweet I posted about it, uh, he was talking about not being able to control the volume of my voice. And uh, yeah. it, it turned out that it was actually me that, that could not do that. Um, yeah. All right, so here's what we got for you today. Um, we wanted to record a, a quick emergency podcast to get this information out and, and talk about it a little bit. Um, on Wednesday, probably mid-morning, mid-to-late morning, uh, you're going to be able to listen to a WIM radio podcast that's going to be more in-depth uh, talk about the the Steve Eiserman hiring, uh, you know, once people have had time to kind of process it a little bit more. Uh, we were recording this uh, shortly after the press conference today. Um, and so first up, we're going to have uh, Alan from Raw Charge. He's a site manager from Raw, Char- uh, Raw Charge, who is a former, uh, for sure, a former and future, for sure, guest. Uh, he is on Twitter at loser points and we talked to him a little bit, uh, about, um, Iserman's tenure in Tampa Bay as a general manager there. Uh, oh, and I guess I should man- I-, I should mention that, uh, raw charge is the SB nation site for Tampa Bay. Uh, so obviously that makes sense. And, always, uh, always, always is good to be clear on, on those, uh, on, on their affiliation. Cause we're all yeah. about, we're all about the nation. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, so, so we actually just recorded that. Um, so that, that's going to be some really good information for, for people out there. And, um, we are, we are trying to get Max Boltman to come back on to talk about the Red Wing side of it, uh, assuming that he has some free time because obviously he's going to be very busy. So, Worst case, if we can't, then after the Allen thing, Jay and I will just talk about uh, Red Wings, you know, kind of first reactions that we're having. So in a few days, you'll get a a more in-depth podcast of kind of opinions that have had time to marinate and and think about. But today is just going to be our emotional reaction. I'm probably going to drop in some of those air horns, etc. Yeah, so enjoy this interview with Allen, and then we'll be back after that. Joining us, uh, joining us for this special episode is Alan from uh, Raw. Sorry, Raw Charge. I always, I always have a problem. Like, like we have a, a user named uh, Raw Par, and like I always, I always, I, I, I now, now I always add an extra R to the end of Raw, which is weird. Um, anyway, that was a weird intro. Alan, <laughs> thanks a lot for joining <laughs> us today. Oh my god. No problem. Yeah, I, just just so we're all clear, I, I take it as a personal insult, and uh, I will hold it against you for the rest of my life. Well, so, just, I mean that that does sound fair. I, I I don't think I can really 
really argue with that. Um, so yeah, so so like I was saying before we started recording, uh, we wanted to have you on to talk about. Um, obviously, you know we're doing this extra bonus emergency pod for uh, for sure to talk about the the Red Wings hiring Steve Eiserman as general manager today, um, and we wanted to get uh, kind of like the Tampa Bay perspective since he's obviously been the general manager for uh, there for for quite a long time. So I guess uh, I, I guess it makes sense to start with this question that I think I know the answer to, but I could be wrong. Um, was this really surprising for you guys because it seemed like. With all the um, all, all the different pieces that kind of like like it felt like they could have been explained away innocently separately, but like when you put them all together, all the like the reports of him, you know, looking at high picks in the draft, like he was with Ken Holland, you know, doing draft or you know scouting together, um, you, you know, it kind of seemed like from our perspective that this was the only question was like when it was going to happen. So from the Tampa Bay perspective, was this, was this surprising or was this pretty much expected at some point? No, the only people who were surprised were Rangers fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, I think from the time he stepped away from the lightning, um, last year, whenever that was like September or October, um, I think it was pretty obvious that this, that this was coming, that he had one year left on his deal. Um, that he sort of stepped away to let Julian Breesbaugh have a, a transition year with him still sort of in the fold as an advisor um, and just make that transition as smooth a- as possible. So I think he was pretty clear about wanting to go back home and his family wanted to where, you know, they still live in Michigan and, and they wanted him back in that area full time. And so I think this was I, I think this was this was pretty obvious um, from the moment he sort of he sort of made that decision. Was there a, um, I don't know, in terms of telegraphing moves, was there, well, when, when was the first indication that you personally, you were like, I'm going to go ahead and start the clock on this? Because <laughs> uh, it's it's really weird because I, as a fan, had been trying to, you know, maybe will this into happening, which, first of all, you're welcome, because clearly it was because I hoped for this all in all, but... Like, I, I didn't really see anything until the only time I got an inkling that this was happening was the meeting uh, where they announced that he was going to be an advisor and then and Breezebaugh was going to take over. So it, it, for either for you or for Lightning fans in general, when was, like, your first feeling of, like, oh, okay? I mean, we – I think this – the first time I thought it was going to happen was when he left. When he left, it caught me – it it caught me by surprise. Um, I'm not going to – not going to hide that. Um, I thought that he would stay for a while longer. Um, I thought that he would sort of want to see this team that he that he largely built. I thought he would want to see it through to whatever the conclusion of that was going to be. But I, I will say, and we talked about this, I think, like two years ago when I was on the show that that. Um, First of all, yeah, welcome back. What a, what a, what a layoff, right? Jeez, we, we kind of we glossed over that. Yeah. Two, two years later, like previously on Lost, every, everything's happened, and, and now, we're, now we're talking to Alan again. It's great. But I think, I think this has been always sort of looming over his, his role, right, is that it always made sense that he would want to go to the franchise where he spent his entire career, um, a franchise that at you know, had had sort of entered its down phase after, you know, so much success and that he sort of was sort of the perfect person to make that transition and, and get them out of that sort of Ken Holland era and, and into the into sort of a, a modern approach to, to running a front office. So I think it's 
in terms of like when did I think it was going to happen? It was when he left. I was caught off guard when he when he left, but it was sort of always looming um, as as a possibility as as the one place that I thought that he would leave to go. I don't think there was any risk ever a risk of him wanting to take another job. It was it was always either you know be in Tampa and sort of see this through to the end, or if that if that job in in Detroit became available um that was the one where he he might go because if and for obvious reasons and and rightfully so to be closer to home and and it's better for his family and all that so it just just makes a ton of sense fans of detroit have been following you know obviously eiserman uh his performance in tampa for a while um so one of the things that we wanted to ask you about was you know Based on what he did in Tampa, you know, what are some things that Red Wings fans can expect having Iserman come in, uh, you know, both, uh, you know, positive and, you know, potential potential negatives? I mean, every every GM has a contract or two that, you know, they wish they could take back or a trade or two that they, you know, they they, they thought was a good idea at the time, but it ended up not working out. Um, so, I mean, other I, well, I guess other than like whatever jedi mind trick he does to get people to sign uh for less than they would normally seem to get on the open market um you know how would you how would you rate eiserman's performance and and what can fans of detroit expect with him coming in as the new general manager so i think it's important to say first just like what a huge upgrade this is for detroit and like no no matter what sort of um critiques i might have of the decisions that some of the decisions that he made in Tampa, I think it's important to remember that in the macro view, this is like a massive, a massive upgrade. You're going from someone who, you know, was great in his era, but maybe the, the, the way the game, you know, is, is played now and the way that, that teams need to be structured and run from a front office perspective, maybe had passed him a little bit by in Ken Holland. You're, you're getting somebody who really understands how to succeed now. And so I think that's, that's the most important thing. And I think, I think the next couple years for Red Wings fans are going to be very frustrating on the ice, but very exciting off the ice because Steve Eiserman understands what it takes to rebuild a team. And so you're going to see him make really smart decisions in terms of um, getting rid of some of the contracts that they need to get rid of. Even the ones that think people think are unmovable, he will find ways to move them. Um, he will he will find ways to move them without paying a premium to do that and possibly even getting assets in return. So he's going to he's going to do this the right way. He's going to stockpile picks. Um, you're going to have fun. You're going to have fun drafts for the next couple of years. Um, and and I think the the this first phase of, of this rebuild that you're going to go through, I, I don't know that there's a, a, a better person. I think the, and I think the big thing to look out for here in the short term is. You know who's who's he going to bring on board? Because a big part of his success in Tampa was that he hired really smart people around him. He, he hired Julian Breezeball and he hired Al Murray to run the run the scouting department. Brought him in from from the Kings, and that was a huge part of their success. Um, finding finding players later in the draft uh, who who could really impact the team. So it's it's going to be interesting to see sort of how he builds that front office around him. Um, and then you're going to be in for a lot of fun initially. I think when the challenges will come and, and he showed that in Tampa is when it, when it comes to the sort of pro scouting side and when it comes to making decisions on restricted free agents and when it comes to shopping and free agency and when it comes to trades at the NHL level, um, that's where, you know, they're, those moves were more were more hit or miss for him. You know, when you look at the Braden Coburn trade or you look at the Ryan Callahan contract or even the Ryan McDonough contract that he signed 
right before he left in that trade. I mean, that's, that's a ton of assets that are that are tied up in a player who probably won't be able to justify that contract for at least the last you know three seasons, possibly four seasons. So that those are those are certainly the the challenges that you're, you'll see. But you you guys are years away from having to confront that stuff, and and I think this initial. These initial first few years are just going to be full of goodwill and and fun and and shipping out contracts that are that are anchors and going how did he get rid of that deal and how did we get a second round pick for that guy and 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 all that kind of stuff and so it's it's going to be fun stuff for, for the next couple seasons at least I think yeah so uh, quick follow up on that one so uh, you had mentioned a couple a couple names that I've I've been hearing bandied about um, on Twitter etc. Uh, since this, uh, you know, since since the entire day that we've had to process this news, um, so out of the out of the people in the organization that Steve Eiserman could potentially take with him, convinced to leave with him to go to Detroit, what would be like the top top uh, person or people that you, as a Lightning fan, like least want to see him take? It's it's Al Murray and it's not close. Okay, uh, <laughs> I was pretty that's, sure. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah it's yeah. <laughs> it's that that's like that's the nightmare scenario for Lightning fans. Like if you look at what this team is built on, it's built through the draft, right? And and it's built on finding players like Andre Pollard in the seventh round and Tyler Johnson undrafted and Yanni Gord undrafted and Nikita Kucherov, who's you know one of the best players in the world in the second round. Um, it, it's that's what makes this team special and and the pro scouting side of it um has been a little iffier right with the players that they've signed via free agency or that they've acquired via trade it's been a lot more hit or miss it's it's been the draft that it that has made this team special and and their ability to um not just not just draft but then build a pipeline through the ahl they've been really dedicated to developing uh players in syracuse and building a really strong relationship with syracuse and having a really um sort of you know close relationship between the front offices and making sure that they're monitoring players and how they're coming along. And so, and just kind of controlling that pipeline and making sure that guys are doing the work that they want them to do in the summers and, and having, you know, bringing in, you know, a, a skating coach like Barb Underhill to, to work with the guys who need to work on their skating and, and just all that sort of stuff has been really the key to the franchise's success. So that's, that's the player that, that from a, or that, that's the front office person from a lightning perspective that, that they would be, you know, most concerned about losing. I think Pat Verbeek is going to leave at some point in the near future, whether it's it's to go to Detroit and be the AGM or whether it's to go to another team and be the general manager. Um, I think he's going to get his opportunities coming pretty soon. And there's some other folks in the front office um, who I think are, are, are lined up for some opportunities. And I, I think one thing that I haven't heard talked about a lot um, yet is, is I think Detroit is, um, you know, we don't know for sure publicly, but I think they maybe haven't invested in the 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 analytics and the and the data side of the game as much as some other teams and that's something that that Steve Eiserman invested in heavily and had Michael Peterson in in Tampa running that department with um you know a group of people under him uh doing all kinds of cool stuff there from in terms of trying to get in front of um you know sort of what what's new and 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 the sort of best work that they can do on the analytics side so i think that'll be an interesting one to watch too is is what, how does eiserman approach that because obviously being in the tampa front office he's going to understand the importance of that stuff and so you know whether he pulls someone from tampa or whether he you know tries to rebuild that um you know sort of from from people you know either in other organizations or outside the game entirely i think that's going to be an interesting piece to watch how, how that comes together yeah, I really wish I had started uh, working on this stat stuff a couple years earlier. 
<laughs> I might be in a good position to, uh, to you know, <laughs> try to get on board somehow. But uh, who, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> it's, all, it's all a slant against Pete. It's one giant lesson of start your start your coding and stat analysis sooner. The sooner yeah. the better, because one day you too could maybe work for Steve Eiserman. Um, <laughs> uh, Alan, is there a? Um, I mean, I guess a lot of this will sort of be a question asked a, a bunch. If if you were to like kind of s- summarize it in in maybe some totality what Eisenman has meant overall to the history of the Lightning, is this you know? Because let's say they win, let's say the Lightning win the Cup next year, which I think we're all not really put off by that possibility. We weren't even put off by that possibility this year. So like, let's say they win it. Is that does that like, or or even if it takes a little bit longer, do you think that Eisenman's uh, place in you know having you know Tampa be a revered and and competitive franchise, you know, do you think he'll, do you think he's done enough good things that you know he's got a solidified place in the in the in the annals of of, of Lightning history, or do you think he really needed to? You know, to kind of just win it all, and then like, oh yeah, well, that's we can we can say his name forever now. Whereas, like, I'm not saying you wouldn't want to say it now, but you know, just in in your mind, you know, has he all all outside of winning the cup, has he pretty much carved himself out as like a very l- l- revered lightning person? <laughs> so I think it's I think it's a little bit of a complicated answer. I think that for the sort of general fan. Um, I don't know that he'll sort of ever get to that place without having been here to win, right? And especially if we're talking about a cup that's won, you know, at the least two years after he leaves, you know, or three or four right. or five years after he leaves. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it'll be to that extent, but I will say that there's a certain core group of, you know, sort of the, 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 the fans who who followed the team for the longest and the closest who understand that this team almost didn't exist anymore prior to Jeff Vinnick purchasing it and hiring Iserman. So there's there's a group of fans, myself included, who will always recognize the fact that he was a part of sort of saving this team and 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 getting people back into the arena, um, making them competitive again sort of rebuilding this market from the ground up in a lot of ways. So there's, from my perspective, yeah, that's there, that's a vital contribution that is almost hard for anyone to even replicate unless the team ever gets to the depths, you know, that it was in, you know, 2011, 2012 or, or, or whatever. So it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's different, I think, for most people, but for, for the people who were following really closely at that time, it's, yeah, it's, it's Jeff Vinnick and Steve Eiserman who, who sort of saved this franchise. And I think, I think there's some interesting parallels to that scenario, to what's happening in Detroit. Obviously Detroit is never at risk of losing their team. They're an original six team. They'll, they'll be there forever unless something catastrophic happened. But I think by Detroit standards, the last few years have been pretty rough for that franchise and so I think in a lot of ways he sort of gets to come into another situation where he can he can really play that sort of savior role and he can he can rebuild this thing that that people are very down on and that people are not as interested in and so he can be a part of sort of tearing down what exists 
um, rebuilding it, you know, from the ground up as much as he's given the power to do. Obviously, there's a little more structure in place in Detroit than, than there was in Tampa. He had probably had a lot more freedom in Tampa. Um, and, you know, with Ken Holland over him and, and some other folks there in Detroit, he may not have as much freedom. But he's got a chance to sort of remake this the way that he wants to see it remade. And, and he showed that he can do that in Tampa. So I think it's an interesting, it, different stakes, obviously, but sort of sort of interesting parallels between the the situation. The, the, the situations that he that he entered in, in his first year cool absolutely so um thank you uh you know thanks alan again uh so much for hopping on to uh to you know to talk to us for this emergency uh, <laughs> bonus episode <laughs> or, or i don't know yeah. whatever emer- we emer- emer- emergency is is I don't know. I, when was the last time you had a positive emergency? It's, but I, I'll, I'll accept it. I'll allow it. There Judges, yeah. yep, yep, they allow it. Absolutely. It's it's going to be a celebration, I assume. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it's funny. I was talking um, in the I, I I don't very often venture into the the hockey talk uh, channel in the SB Nation Slack, but I went in there this morning and posted the Ron Paul is happening gif and a couple other things and I said something that I actually said this after the the draft lottery when Detroit moved down two spots is that I don't remember the last time I was able to be completely insufferable as a sports fan and it's it's (laughs) nice to have that moment um but I will obviously not do that now because that would be horrible uh horrible manners of me uh, <laughs> but um like i said thanks a lot uh for joining us uh you can follow alan on twitter at loser points right and you can read his writing um at raw charge uh, he's also a contributor to hockey graphs um so his stuff is out there and it's fantastic uh so thanks again alan for uh for joining us today yeah no problem thanks for having me All right, so that was the Tampa perspective on things, which, Pete, I have to say, it was really nice of Alan to be uh, very, very heavy in his use of the word fun because it does sound like, yes, with the arrival of Steve Eisenman, things are things are going to be fun. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be different, uh, to, to be sure. But uh, that was the Tampa Bay perspective. Now let's start to bring in a little bit of the local flavor, as it were. So with that, we bring in... What I assume now, Pete, will have to get our first, like, five episodes. It feels like five episode <laughs> yeah. jacket that we've been uh, making for everybody. But uh, Max Bolman of uh, The Athletic Detroit uh, joins us uh, via teleconference <laughs> and uh, is also uh, enjoying two medium pizzas and uh, and some breadsticks. Is this correct, Max? I told you that in confidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... Just know that this will air, eh, you know, uh, uh, mere hours from now. So you'll you'll have already eaten it. Uh, and I gotta go to the gym. So. I gotta go to the gym. <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, anyways, uh, yes, we we welcome Max. Max, uh, you were present for the unveiling of uh, uh, Red Wings GM uh, Steph. Steffi Swa Sammy Swa Sw- Swanson Swami Samsonite. Is that who it was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh it's definitely Steve Eisman, yes. So uh you were you were present for it. Uh what what was that what was that room like? I mean everybody obviously like it, it wasn't like you were all there and like, oh, what are they gonna talk about? But you know, how was how what was that experience like? He walk when he walked in, did like did like the air smell crisper? Colors were more vivid. 
you know, what what what, what was it like seeing uh, basically the the baton being passed uh, real time in front of your in front of your athletic eyeballs? You know what? Honestly, the big takeaway was uh, they they put us in a different room <clears throat> for this one, and it was like the back half. You know, like where we eat, Jay. Yeah. So they like divided that room in half. Uh, so like the side with like the cafeteria line on one side, and then like the side where you know the TVs and the desks and all that stuff is on one. They put us in the back half of that room, and it that's a decent sized room, and it was just packed to the brim. Like I was shoulder to shoulder. Like there's you know maybe a couple, maybe one empty seat per row that people could kind of use to like get a little personal space going on or whatever. But mm. in general, it was packed to the brim. Uh, and that was kind of what I was thinking about the whole way. It was just how many people were in there. And there was the classic, like, who are the people clapping in the press conference? How did they get in here moment? Um, and that certainly <laughs> happened three times. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it was obviously pretty cool. I, I You know what it really reminded me of? I, I was at Jim Harbaugh's uh, introductory press conference at Michigan four years ago, or five years ago, however long that ago that was, um, however many years without a Big Ten title that was. Um, and it, it reminded me a lot of the reception that, that Harbaugh got and, and just this feeling of, you know, he, he, you know the, the guy that everybody wanted to get the job is back, um, and, and a lot of people were really excited. So, no, it was, it was a cool, cool vibe for sure. Yeah, so uh, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit, and one of the things we were talking about is, um, you know, from your perspective, like when you kind of – uh, you know, you know, were you taken by surprise, you know, et cetera, because uh, uh, before we talked to you, we recorded with uh, Alan from from the Tampa Bay uh, SB Nation site. And we asked him about, you know, was he surprised by this? So, um, you know, y- you wake up, you check Twitter or uh, whatever it is you check first and you see the uh, the tweet or, you know, the news alert or whatever that Steve Eiserman is going to be announced as a as a general manager. So, like. Like how how surprised were you? Um, you know, when did you maybe think that this is something that could actually happen, as opposed to, uh, you know, Red Wings fan fan fiction? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's how it went down for me. So I stayed up last night writing 4,500 words of prospect story. Wow. I have a massive prospect story that I filed at 3:30 a.m. Um, obviously that's not coming out for a while now. Um, so, so I was up till three thirty. my girlfriend is a photographer. She was on assignment in Pennsylvania. So she's at a hotel in like somewhere near Pittsburgh. And at 7am I got a call from her and I was like, what the heck? And she was like, uh, I know you're up late. You're going to be unhappy about this. Like, but, uh, you're going to have to work all day. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, they they're just announcing the Iserman thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, well, I am about to work all day. So I <laughs> rolled over in bed, sent a message to my editor. I, You know, I, I actually heard – someone asked me last night, like, if I had heard anything about them setting up a press conference. It was Ryan Hanna from the Wing Wheel mm. Pod. And um, I was like, no, and, and honestly, you don't really have to set up – the press conferences like they just have a room and we just walk in and uh and i was like and so I'm like yeah like you know it's not that's always the thing everyone's like oh they're setting up a press conference because that happened with harbaugh too 
And uh, I actually got duped on that when I was in college. Someone told me they were setting up a thing for the Fab Five to be welcomed back to Michigan, but that's another story. So, so I'm like, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, think about that. I wouldn't give that too much attention. So I basically like tell Ryan <laughs> this isn't happening. Yeah. And then it happens exactly as he said. Like they did, like I just said, they set up a completely different room for us, and like his sources were dead on. And I was, I was just poo-pooing it the whole way. But uh, what, what I what I will say that I did expect is to one day wake up and it would just be out there. Like I was pretty sure from the whole way on this um, that no one was going to break this story. There was not going to be some you know Bob McKenzie scoop it in the middle of a playoff game where he was like sources are telling me it, it could happen pen to paper in two days or whatever. Yeah. Like that's how it always happens. Seems to with with Redwing stuff. They're like, yep, Howard's going to be extended in days. Blash will put pen to paper in the coming days. I was pretty positive it was not going to be like that with this one. I was I was pretty convinced that I was going to just wake up one day and it was going to be happening and I was going to have to mobilize. <laughs> so uh, at least I was right about that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like, like I was just thinking, uh, you know, part of my brain is really focused on next Friday when I have Avengers Endgame tickets uh, for opening night. And so I was thinking, it's like, Red Wings press corps, assemble. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned at the early uh, beginning of uh, the special episode here, Max, I was, I was, I was woken, woken to this news, and uh, it was pretty funny because uh, apparently my wife had woken up earlier than me and found out that this was happening. So, like, she's so just the whole idea of like, you know, here I am, I'm just like snoozing away, and then like someone's just like. I am so excited to tell this person the news when this person wakes up. <laughs> so that, that that feeling hasn't really worn off yet. So um, was she? I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. It was. It was really funny. And then and then she was very appropriately, uh, very uh, uh, <laughs> complimentary of how cute I was receiving the news, waking up because apparently, apparently the first words I said was, how much did I drink last night? Is this happening? <laughs> and then, cause, cause we, we had a, uh, we had a nice little outing with uh, a shout out to one Greg Garner and, uh, uh, it's like a memento. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Wait, what was oh, I doing? Garner was buying you yeah. alcohol, trying to, trying to make yeah. a trade with yeah. you. Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all we know, if I wasn't drinking, I might have accepted that late night trade from Max. But we'll we'll continue those talks. <laughs> Did you respond to it? I don't even remember. I, I don't. Respond to it. I don't. No, I didn't. I actually didn't. I was I was I really glad. A fair offer. I think we should revisit that. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'll 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 let, let me talk to my scout staff. Let me see if this. Let me okay, see if cool. the numbers can work on this. So, anyways. Cool. Um. So. So. So we know how you felt as. I mean, I mean, I feel like we've got gotten to know what you felt like as as reporter Max, but as as Red Wings fan Max, was this? I'm not a Red Wings know, fan. Where... I am just I, there is no that does, that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, it, kind of what I'm alluding to is like, you know, the, trying to maybe Pete and I can be like the guinea pigs in this sense to like. Hey, you know, to not have a dog in the fight, it must be interesting to kind of look at it from the outside. But you know, seeing is. as how you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just wondering, like, when being in your position to have this very, very rare thing called objectivity, <laughs> um, what, what are some? So being the you know, kind of having your finger on the pulse was all over the place uh, uh, for for 
how fans are seeing. What are you seeing personally? Or, or you know, I, I feel like the idea is that yeah, this is a pretty awesome move. I think I think it was Pat Caputo who I was like almost on standby, ready to make sure that there's someone there just in case he started another fight. But um, you know, he, he was like, also you could tell this is a pretty good decision, and I was like, does he mean to sound like kind of kind of like adversarial, but Long story short, well, what are you seeing in in light of this? How has the you know how has this already affected the way um, you're able to do your job? <laughs> well, one thing that I always tell people is like when they'll they'll ask me like you know what like at the trade deadline like what do you want the Red Wings to do? And like there's several ways I can answer that question. Like on the most basic level, I want them to do whatever is going to drive most people to subscribe to the Athletic. <laughs> like if I can be completely honest. Mm. Uh, and Steve Eiserman coming back to the Red Wings, I would hope is going to drive a lot of people to subscribe to the Athletic. Like I think it's going to it's going to spike a lot of interest in the team. So that's that's a perfectly good thing for me. For my so my first thought is I got to give people something to read. So I, I got right to work. I analyzed. I think it was five kind of decisions or, or moves that he was able to make as the Lightning's GM that I thought um, were were going to be applicable to to the task facing him as the new guy in charge of the rebuild. And that entailed me researching kind of what our lightning writer has written about Steve um, and, you know, other stuff that, you know, I, I'm obviously followed hockey for a while, so I'm aware of Steve Eiserman's executive career and kind of digging into some of the moves he made there and then try to analyze them and see how they fit. So a lot of my day was focused on that. I mean, I, I dropped 2,500 words on that, like walking into the press conference. So that was exhausting. Um, but it, 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 the whole way through, you're on Twitter, right? Like you're on Twitter in the background because no writer is immune to the Twitter time suck every 15 seconds or whatever. Oh, so, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So you're on Twitter and you're seeing everyone going crazy, and it, it's it's two feelings. Number one, like when you interact with a fan base a lot, like I'm so happy that everyone's happy. Like there's so much, so so many times through the year that everyone's not happy. You know, like whether it's a loss or whether it's a guy didn't play well, or whether it's Abdicator played, or like whatever is the thing that people are mad about today. <laughs> this was not one of those days. There was like nothing for people to be mad about today, and it is there is something very. Um, I really enjoy that when like all these people who I interact with on a daily basis online, you get to see how much happiness this does truly bring them, and I think what it does is it affirms why everyone in that community is a sports fan because for these days like this. It's what gets everyone out of bed. It's what makes everyone ask their wife, like, how much did I drink last night? Is this real? You know, <laughs> like, that's that's the whole thing of it. And so I really enjoy that, like, in the background. And, and it, it kind of, um, it's not, like, motivates because it, it is my job, but it, it it's a good, like, I don't know, like, refreshing, like, hey, you're doing this for a group of people who are really fired up, and the thing that you're about to write, I know what I'm writing, like, is going to make them only more excited because Eiserman is a really, really good general manager, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that he did in Tampa that could be really, really useful to the Red Wings. I'm very, yeah, yeah, like you said, there's there's days like today that you, you, you obviously wish you could have these types of days every day, but, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, it's, it's being able to take the good with the bad and, 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 and getting to this point. I mean, this, I don't know. I, I, I'm of the mind that this is the type of move that, you know, get it, it, prov- <laughs> it provides you this chance to like 
not only tap into the whole reason you're a fan of this stuff in the first place, but then it gives you that that extra like kick in the arse about like, oh, so moving forward, it's like, okay, so now like we have to like kind of maybe pay more attention because, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, this this is a different Steve Eiserman. This is not, you know, this is not 96 overtime winning Steve Eiserman solely anymore. Like this guy's hockey IQ is probably shot into the friggin' stratosphere and 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 on top of that he's just very good looking so everything's great about what's <laughs> happening today <laughs> it's funny as as you were talking max it reminded me of a uh of, of the famous quote from fight club tomorrow will be the most beautiful day of raymond chaos's life his breakfast will taste better than any meal you and i have ever tasted because that is kind of how i felt pretty much all day today <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> And it, it, it was fantastic. Uh, like <laughs> we were joking for that that basically Jay has had a smile on his face all day. Um, and you know, like you said, I mean, this this definitely was. I definitely think this is something that Red Wings fans really needed. Um, after you know, like we talked about uh, the, the last time that we recorded together, which was like a whole week ago, um, <laughs> about <laughs> you know about the the draft lottery because the most likely result was for Detroit to move down the two right. spaces that they did, but it still felt like somebody punched you in the gut, you know? And so it's, uh, and isn't that incredible too? Cause with this, like it's similar way, like this was always like, seemed like it was going to happen, but once it yeah. does, then like all the emotions can come out. Like you can be, you can be intellectually prepared for something to happen and not yeah. emotionally prepared to wake up and see like, Oh shit, he's coming back. You know what I mean? Like that's that, that is a cool thing about about sports. Yeah. So um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is is um, while we were getting ready for this, I I saw you were uh, you were tweeting um, uh, actually with uh, our friend Prashanth, and you, you had the chance to ask, I believe it was Chris Illich, right, about the the yeah. analytics aspect of it because when we talked to Alan uh, recently. Um, one of the things we asked him was, you know, what Red Wings fans can expect from Steve Eiserman based on his performance in Tampa Bay, you know, his tenure there. And one of the things that he mentioned was how he was a big believer in, in analytics and he, uh, you know, really built that department up there. So, um, you know, for, for our listeners that weren't able to, to, to see the tweet that you had, um, you know, what was that conversation like? You know, what information uh, did you get from that? Yeah, so it's a little, like, behind the scenes of how these things work. So remember how I was talking about how packed that room is? Yeah. So as soon as the press conference ends, um, everyone's walking off the stage, and all the reporters basically surround it, and, and they divide basically into three packs of wolves <laughs> ready to descend on each of the three guys getting off the stage. So you get your pack of wolves. Or I, actually, it started with, like, Marion Illich, in a corner with like Mitch album and two other people they were talking to her. And then Chris kind of moved in into the focus and, uh, the FSD's interviewing people. You could probably see it kind of taking place on the FSD feed as Keating was interviewing, you know, Zetterberg and Draper and all this stuff. So, so everyone's kind of descending on the three people from the stage. So I don't, I don't know that I saw Ken do one, but, uh, Iserman and Illich, Iserman kind of does like this tour with each of the TV stations. Everyone gets, you know, three, four minutes one-on-one with, 
with Iserman of the TV stations that, you know, not, not every single report that would take forever. Yeah. Um, and so while that's happening, there was maybe eight to 10 people surrounding Chris Illich, of which I was one, you know, Jeff Seidel was in there, Bob Wachowski from Detroit News is in there. And we're all kind of trying to just get one or two questions in there. So I, I did not get a follow up with Illich on the analytics thing. So everything that I tweeted is what, you know, that's what I, what I knew. But, uh, yeah, basically I asked him with, with how much teams are out of league are investing in analytics and player tracking, if that's a place that he would like to spend more money. And the first thing he said is, well, first he said, we'll see, but then he said it's something that he's talked to Eisenman a lot about. Hmm. And uh, so I, I would kind of expect that to happen, like especially if, like you said, it, it's been a priority to, to Eisenman other places. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, like the thing that you never know with teams is how much – they're already doing because they don't want you they don't want their competitors to know what they're doing or how much they're doing like i kind of feel like if it was up to me and i was a gm or an o i would want all of my rivals to think i was a complete neanderthal like it was just like logging plus minus for all my decisions um <laughs> like i you know like so i don't know how much they're going to come out and say what their plan is but it does sound like something that Illich has on his mind it's something that he referenced um feeling fairly fluent in from his work with the Tigers. There could certainly be people who would uh, object to that um, comment about a team that's currently batting Josh Harrison leadoff. But uh, in general, I think he does probably understand <laughs> the framework for analytics and the value of it because they have made a lot of hires there. So uh, I, I would I would think that they that is an area that they will expand. And just, just from that very brief interaction and from kind of understanding that Iserman, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who, who may have some proclivities for that. Um, Max, I think it's uh, finally time that I can once again revive my gigantic conspiracy theory, which was <laughs> Iserman was sent on a mission, 10-year-long mission, to a different team to befriend them, break bread with them, but then ultimately, at a critical moment, fleece them and come home to Detroit. Mom and Pop vanished. <laughs> so all my sneakers are gone? I'm afraid so, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I've been asking around. They didn't even have any kids. <laughs> mom and Pop aren't even a mom and Pop? It was all an act, Cherry. They conned us, and they scored big time. So, Mom and Pop's plan was to move into the neighborhood, establish trust, for 48 years. <laughs> and then run off with Jerry's sneakers. Apparently. Half of the theory has come true. Because now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, hey, isn't it kind of funny how Eisman got those heavy hitters in Tampa to sign all those really team-friendly deals to stay on the same team? Gosh, wouldn't that be so much fun to, like, initiate some sort of trade to acquire all those players that he signed to those ridiculous, like, the types of contracts that every GM looks at, and they're like, I wish I could have signed that contract. So I'm just saying, if any member of the Tampa Bay Lightning starting now finds themselves on the Red Wings team at any point, the theory will be valid, and I just wanted you to know that yeah. when that please, happens... Please credit Jay Tui. <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm more than willing to take credit for the 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 the, 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 the Iserman's 
we're just we'll, we'll, the 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 legwork's already been done. So you know, I I, I I'm more than excited to 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 do the uh, the what ifs and stuff. But uh, I, <laughs> um, the thing I wanted to ask you real quick is that in your what ifness, because of your objectivity, is there you know, they're already talking about, hey, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't do anything in free agency, resist the temptation, yada, yada. But, like, in your opinion, what would be the one move he you think he could realistically make the soonest that would, like, once again just blow all of our minds as as revenue? Like, what what do you th- – like, is is there – you know, is it is it acquiring a player or is it negotiating a, a call up or something? Like, what – like, now that the goodwill train has completely left the station, what – what would what do you think is the first move that people are going to be like? Yes, do it. Why not? Let's go. <laughs> well, I think if I knew the one that was going to blow people's minds, it wouldn't be so mind blowing. But um, man, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, in free agency, I am a general, generally in agreement of kind of this theory of like, don't make a big bet on something super short term. Um, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go pay Tyler Myers a bunch of money just to try and get a short term top four defenseman who's going to age and then be owed a lot of money in term deep into your rebuild. There's a couple players that I've kind of considered how they would impact the Red Wings in the longer term. And I know that this might not please the faction that wants them to do nothing of which, you know, <laughs> I, I can certainly understand in like 98% of the free agents out there that that probably is the right course of action is to, is to sit it out. I mean, the one that I think about is kind of interesting, who I don't actually know if I feel like he would realistically be interested in Detroit, but you never know, is Kevin Hayes because he's a big two-way center who in two years you can make into a big power wing when he's still only 28. Like he's 26 right now. He's young. He gives him, a, you know, he's, he plays both ways. He can he can do a lot with his with his size and as a power player. And then if you're going to get a center in this draft, you just kick Kevin Hayes back out to the wing in a couple of years, and he's either your second line or third line wing. And maybe you're overpaying by that point. That might be the hesitation. That's a fair point. Uh, maybe you feel like, you know, maybe you feel like you want the draft situation to be as good as it can be this year. That's a fair point. I'm not going to necessarily argue those, but he's a guy who I think is interesting if you want to put some pieces in place that are easily maneuverable for when your next wave is ready. Um, I think you need to have someone who can get filled you know, the puck here. That's for sure. Um, I think if you trust Andreas Asinacu to be a center, like maybe he can be that guy, that's fine. Well, so I, I yeah. think like that would be uh, a Hayes Asinacu's Dean line. That would be an a interesting idea to throw that line together because Hayes, Hayes can get some things that those other two guys don't always do. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's kind of a, a guy who I think is interesting. I, I think you, you can't turn down an Artemi Panarin um, if he wants to play for you. I don't think he necessarily does. I think it's pretty clear that he wants to be on, on the coast from everything that you read. So, But, but it's it's more about my, my issue is just in general with blanket statements usually. Like I, I just think that you know, there's there's always a player worth adding to your team. You know, but it, it's just a question of what you have to what the trade off is. I would not take any yeah. measures that, that you're just like, hey, I think this guy gets us into the playoffs this year. If you're the Red Wings, I think you're you're looking for guys right. who are like this guy 
he might make us better this year, and that's great, but, but the bigger thing is he's available now, and he helps us in two or three years because there are guys who are available now who won't be available in two or three years. And if the guy who you think is going to help you in two or three years is available now, well, you bite the bullet and you pay him now and you sign him and, and maybe it hurts your draft position for a year. But if it puts you into a better spot, once Zadina's ready, once Valeno's ready, once this year's first-round pick is ready, I don't think that's a, that's a bad move at all. But there's so few of those guys out there that ultimately I would say in most scenarios their their best move is going to be to kind of sit it out. Because I, because I think, as, as Iserman said, you don't want to make a big splash just to try and get in this year at the expense of the future. Yeah, like I think it was funny when you're talking about Panarin. It, like it made me think of like Arrested Development. Uh, if they're like, look, it's it's not an ocean, but it's a lake, Lake Michigan. <laughs> we can we can call it Ocean Michigan if you want the Michigan Ocean. Um, all right, but no. Um, anyway, so thank you so much, uh, Max, for for, uh, for for stopping by tonight. Obviously, I know you you know are super busy today, and I I assume you probably still have have, have some stuff to do uh, after this. So thank you so much for stopping by, um, and we'll let you go so you and Jay can uh, can uh, send each other fantasy baseball trades. Yeah, hey, let's hope that he accepts this time. I, uh, all I want in the world is to give him Corey Seager. You know, it's, it's do, do you know what this feels like? Do you know what this feels like? This feels like we're negotiating <laughs> through the press, and that's not something you do. It is, this is a, this yeah. is a cheap, <laughs> this is a cheap political move, and I will not be had by these public taunts and requests to comply. We are the press. Like, like, what else are we going to do? We are the press. Oh, man. Ah, that's, that's, so, that's, so, that's a weird uh, reality check. Oh, lordy. Um, okay, well, again, thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on. And, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll look at the numbers, and I'll have my people call your people. It'll be excellent. That'd be very nice. By the way, I did like your answer about uh, your question about um, who's he going to bring with. Because uh, as as we heard from Alan, he really hopes it's not going to be Murray. But for uh, swings folk, yeah, we would love to have Murray. It would that would that would yeah, be so that'd grand. Be, that would be a huge ad for them. <laughs> All right, man. Perfect. Well, have a great night. So, Pete, that probably brings a uh, logical close to our uh, little emergency cast here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we were able to do it. I'm glad we were able to, to get some first reactions out of the way. Uh, we, we heard everything from thoughtful analysis to just guttural screaming based on, uh, on my part. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad yeah. we were able to do this. Um, so, uh, we would uh, like to once again thank our guests on this uh, little episode here. Uh, uh, Alan, you can find him at Loser Points, right, Pete? That's right. Just lose it. Again, yeah. our streak of people with just really simple, solid <laughs> handles. Just it charges on. DiMaggio, your days are numbered. Um, and uh, you can find Max uh, at M underscore Boltman. Uh, both of them will obviously have tremendous and more awesome things to say as the season continues. And then, uh, obviously, during the offseason when uh, things will obviously heat up. So, uh, Pete, do you, uh, do you, did you, in the time of us recording, did you have any other lyrics uh, thought up for our Welcome Back Potter intro? Or uh, are we all set for the evening, you think? No, and like I mean, I'm I'm glad that I finally got to uh, got to sing something for, for the first time in forever. Um, and... I uh, actually, you know what? I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to plug a, a different podcast um, 
not not my podcast, but um, one of the podcasts I've started listening to and, and thoroughly enjoying is called Punch Up the Jam. Uh, so if you're if you're interested in music and or podcast, you probably like it. Basically, what they do is they take a a song. Uh, I think it's roughly every week. They take a song and they dissect it and talk about it musically. Um, it's it's two comedians and musicians. Uh, you know two people they are both comedians and musicians and they talk about the they talk about the song they break it down they they you know play through it etc um and and that part's really funny but the, at the end they they make a new version of it they make a new version of the song oh. and it is it is unbelievably hilarious so i will say um i haven't listened to all of them yet obviously because i just kind of got into it um but the first one i listened to was la woman with uh, Paul F. Tompkins, because I'm, I'm a big fan of Paul F. Tompkins, and I knew that uh, basically if I didn't like an episode that he was a guest on, then I was not going to like the podcast. So, um, But about five minutes, I, I was laughing really, really hard, uh, probably several times, which is which is awesome. Um, and so I, I can definitely definitely recommend the uh, the Misery Business episode, I think, is, mm. is a really good one. And also the one about uh, Africa oh. by Toto. That, 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 that one's hilarious. Sure. Yeah, it's, as a ch- it's as a ch- super ch- funny. So... My alarm beeps out in the night, but I'm already looking at the clock in anticipation. I'm getting on a 5.30 flight. The moonlit wings reflect as they take off. Wow, aviation. I saw Hudson News along the way. Hoping to find some long-lasting gum or juicy magazines. I heard the boarding agent say, Hurry, boy, it's waiting here for you. It's going to take a lot to drag me away from you. They're giving me a hundred bonus miles to fly Take some time to do the things we never had. Let's go to Africa. <laughs> anyway, obviously, you know, add that to your podcast list, and uh, you know, of course, listen to for sure first. But then, uh, once you're done, uh, you know, listen to punch up the jams. Oh, I, I forgot to do the the part for us, right? So um, right, I yeah. mean, I mean, I mean, I'm promoting other people's stuff and not ours, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't want to say anything, but I I'm glad you remembered. So all right. So if you want to follow us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at P Flynn Hockey. Jay is at the Roar underscore twenty four. Our podcast is at um, two hundred foot pod. That's two zero zero F T P O D at facebook.com slash for sure pod F E R S U R E pod um and if you want to get some for sure merchandise you can do that at our our store at tinyurl.com slash for shirt f-e-r-s-h-i-r-t all right so um we have a fantastic guest uh i guess since since we booked it we can probably announce it so uh next episode we are going to have allison lucan back on from the athletic columbus to talk about uh to talk about columbus's uh crazy upset of tampa uh not just beating them but sweeping them in the first round so that should be pretty interesting uh so that will be um 
not this coming Monday when you listen to this, but the Monday after. Good night, AC. For sure. 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 Welcome back. You lost to John Tortorella. Welcome back. You come to take Detroit out of the cellar.